Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This episode of the Sheridan Tapes was made possible by our supporters on Patreon. Angie, Becky Retzer, Palms Campos, and Suzanne Scholes. If you'd like to support the show as well, please go to patreon.com slash homesteadcorner. For as little as $1 a month, you get early access to ad-free versions of episodes, a special weekly behind-the-scenes podcast, and patron-only AMA live streams. Before we get started, this episode contains depictions of existential dread, body horror, and character death, claustrophobia, and some loud noises. Content warnings and a full transcript are available in the show notes. Morrison! You still down here? <sighs> Figures. Asshole probably ran the moment things went south. Should have done the same, honestly. <sighs> oh! Oh, god damn it. Don't sneak up on me like that, Morrison. I, well, I wasn't trying to, to scare you. Well, you did. Lucky I didn't hit you. What are you still doing down here? What happened? I... I was... I was running. Sheridan let the monsters out. Shit! They're not still down here, are they? No, no, no. They're all gone. Back into the world. Shouldn't we... I don't know, set up a perimeter? They could be halfway to Arrowhead by now. They've gone much further than that. Much further. I was a fool to think I could keep them here. Now the door is open. Morrison, are you... Is everything alright? Morrison? Morrison, we need to... What the hell do I do now?
As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Tape is running. Could everyone state their names and occupations for the record? Anna? What? Oh, right. Anna Sheridan, writer and... uh... Writer is fine for now. Dr. Caldwell? Dr. Daniela Caldwell, head of experimental research, ISFA Laboratories. David Robinson, research assistant, experimental projects, ISFA. Mr. Uh... Dumwell? Don O. Craig's... Fine, if you insist on putting my name on your tapes. Though I can't I say I'm all in favor of it. Craig, just... No, no, I'll go along with it. I didn't choose to be here for your fancy words. I came here for Anna's sake, and no one else. Duly noted, Mr. Donnell. And what is your occupation? Writer. Same as Anna. Researcher and the wee folk in their histories. <laughs> Did I say something funny, Mr. Robinson? A little bit, yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken, we're all here on account of Anna. And even if you use different words for it, what she studies is no less strange than the fairies I write about. No one's saying it's not, Mr. Donnell. My colleague spoke out of turn. Hell, I did. Please continue, Dr. Park. Right. Um, my name is Dr. Ren Park of the Institute for Stellar Propulsion, Heuristics, and... Ren? Lead Researcher, Experimental Projects Division. I oversee some of ISFA's more unconventional lines of inquiry. You can say that again. While I'm aware that some of you may be skeptical about Miss Sheridan and Mr. Donald's fields of study, 
let me assure you that they've both furnished empirical evidence of their claims to this institute on several occasions. If anyone wishes to question their place on this team, I suggest you take it up with myself or Dr. Caldwell before we go further. No, I'm... I'm fine. I'm sure you are. Ren? All yours, Dr. Caldwell. Thank you. I know some of you have doubts about this project, but let me assure you, if what we're searching for is even remotely possible, then this investigation may change not only our understanding of physics, but the future prospects of humanity as a species. Each member of this team has been carefully selected for their specific set of skills, along with their perspective on both the scientific and the supernatural. If you feel skeptical about your place here, that is intentional. Whether you believe it or not, your role on this expedition will be vital to its success. This was the first meeting of the team ISFA assembled to investigate Anna's predictive abilities, taking place in Ventura, California on January 14th, 2018. The team consisted of two ISFA staff members, Dr. Daniela Caldwell and Mr. Robinson, and two private contractors selected by Anna, herself and Mr. Craig Donnell, a nonfiction author and expert in folklore and mythology. This meeting occurred shortly after we determined that Anna was able to make meaningful predictions of the future. And wait, following wait, just our... slow down a second. Do you have a question, Kate? More like a hundred. I understand there might be some confusion. Several recordings were lost during the expedition, but I'll do my best to fill in any gaps in the record as we go. But how did Anna predict the future? How do you even test something like that? Well... During the years preceding her disappearance, Anna began to suspect that some of her more disturbing dreams were more than just nightmares. She mentioned this to me at several points, and eventually I proposed that we put her theory to the test. We conducted a number of sleep studies, cognitive tests, and attempts to initiate lucid dreaming in one of the medical labs here at Merriweather. At the end of these, we had a prediction that could be objectively and definitively tested. I passed this information along to Dr. Caldwell, and once it was confirmed, she... Wait, what did she predict? A supernova. The explosion of a neutron star nearly a billion light years from Earth. Impossible to guess, impossible to predict ahead of time. And yet she did, right down to the day. This told us two things. One, Anna was able to make tangible, provable, and accurate predictions about future events, and two, that she was right to be worried about what she saw. The end of the world. The end of the world. An apocalypse triggered by some kind of supernatural disruption affecting the entire planet. That was the one constant, going back to her earliest nightmares. Dr. Caldwell was skeptical at first, but she'd never been afraid to push past her own doubts. Still, she felt we needed more evidence to confirm Anna's ability. So she proposed an arrangement. We would test one of Anna's earlier visions in the field to make sure the supernova wasn't a coincidence. This next tape is taken from that expedition, soon after the team arrived at base camp near the Bobby Agora Massive on the Slovakia-Poland border. 
Anna Sheridan, recording for ISPA Internal Records, Daily Log. January 20th, 2018, 1724 CET. We landed at KRK earlier today after an unexpected layover in Heathrow. Apparently, it's a bit of a gamble to fly into Central Europe in the middle of winter. We picked up our supplies in Krakow and made it to base camp before it really started getting dark, and the local guides had already set up the tents when we arrived. It's still tenting on the side of a mountain in January, but it won't be nearly as bad as some of the backpacking trips I've done. The canvas and plywood flooring do a remarkable job of keeping the cold out, and once we got the heaters going, they warmed up nicely. We don't have the fuel to keep them on all the time, and the weather will make the solar generators nearly useless, but we're sure as hell going to make the best of them when we can. The cots are a pretty nice upgrade too, though I doubt I'll be sleeping much, even with the jet lag. I've been having... You can enjoy this anytime soon, Anna. Can you keep David off the rest of that ball all night? I think you can manage until I'm done with this. Taping yourself again? Need to keep a record of the expedition, Ren insisted. I hardly think they needed to. You should be recording too if you have time. I'll try to be thorough, but I might miss a few things aye, you... Aye, If you say so. I'll try and save you a drink if I can. <laughs> Don't bother. You know I can't stand vodka. I told you, it's not vodka. It just smells like it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm glad Craig's here. Between the four of us, he's the most well-balanced. Caldwell's nothing if not professional, but I know obsession when I see it. And Robinson's, well, he doesn't really care what we find, so long as we find it quickly. But Craig believes it. At least, he believes that I believe it, and that's enough. Truth be told, though, I'm really not sure if I do. Not completely. But I need someone in my corner, at least for now. That being said, I don't know exactly what we're looking for. My dreams are always a little sparse when it comes to specifics. All I know is that whatever it is, it's here on Babiagora, the old witch's mountain, literally translated. It has something to do with corrosion and evolution, or maybe transformation, I'm not sure. The rest of the dream was just a mess of dark shapes and bad vibes, but it was the only one where I was able to pick out an actual location. It definitely seems like the right kind of place. Craig was very keen to point out that a lot of the local folklore points to this mountain as a location of the witch's Sabbath. I don't know about witches, but it does feel a lot like some of the other mountains I've had encounters on. Like it's the opposite of a holy mountain. A place where the barriers between worlds are thin, but what's on the other side is a little less than friendly. Even so, I'm not convinced we're looking in the right place. There must be something to my dreams, so there must be something here. But if there is, if we find what we're looking for up the mountain tomorrow, then I don't know what that means for me, for all of us. I still haven't told them everything. Not Wren, not Caldwell or Robinson, and definitely not Craig. I can't tell him. I want to be honest with him, but I don't know if it would help right now. 
it's certainly not helping me. <sighs> God, I need that drink. Four days. Four days on this goddamn mountain. What do we have to show for it? Besides bruises and the risk of frostbite. You think four days on this mountain is long enough to kick anything? We've hardly started looking. Yeah, well, some of us have got more important work we'd like to get back to. And what do you mean by that, Mr. Roberts? All I'm saying is that Dr. Cornwall and I don't spend months on top of a mountain looking for ghosts or goblins or whatever the hell you two claim to see out here. We're scientists, for Christ's sake. Oh, it's not so. I've seen things that would scare the skeptic right out of you. Believe you me, you'll ken how deep the dark goes if we're done. Dr. Cornwall! Can you please give me some backup here? Not right now, I can't. I'm a little busy trying not to get blown off this mountain. Could you at least tell me you don't believe in ghosts or monsters or whatever we're supposed to be looking for here? No, I don't believe in ghosts. Thank you. But Anna did make a prediction that is scientifically impossible. Either she's incredibly lucky or there's something beyond our understanding going on here. I have to figure out what it is before we leave this mountain. Understood? Yes, Dr. Cogwell. <sighs> You're right, Anna. What? Are you okay? You're being awful quiet up there. Yeah, I'm... I'm fine. Just distracted. Have you been sleeping any better since we got here? <laughs> no, I haven't. Bad dreams. Anna! Oh shit, I must have bumped into. Anna Sheridan, Daily Log, January 31st, 2018, recorded at 1832 CET. We've been on the mountain for 16 days now, far longer than we anticipated, but still within the acceptable range. We're supplied for at least a month, longer, if we decide to start rationing, and while the roads to Babiagora are closed, we can still be resupplied by snowmobile if needed. I'm not worried about the supplies, though, and neither is Dr. Caldwell. What I'm more worried about is the weather. Most of the northern slope is completely exposed to the elements, and conditions can change extremely quickly. I'm starting to see why people call this place the mother of bad weather. But I'm honestly more concerned. Sheridan! Sheridan, I want a word with you. Of course you fucking do. What is it? I want to see your journal now. Absolutely not. We've been stuck on this mountain for half a month because of your dreams. The least you could do is let us know what we're supposed to be looking what for. What part of absolutely not did you miss? No. You can't look at my journal. It's private. If it concerns the team, it shouldn't be. Well, it is. Look, if you're so skeptical about my dreams, why do you want to know about them? I don't. But if I know what we're supposed to be looking for, we can get off this mountain faster. That's all I care about. Do you really think I'd keep that to myself if I knew? You're holding something back. Whether it's about your dreams or something else. Robinson. I suggest you take a step back before I find something heavy in here and make you. Is that a threat, Donald? We both know you wouldn't hurt a fly. I think you'd best consider the difference between someone threatening me 
and someone threatening a friend of mine. I'm not threatening anyone. I'm just... David, a word, if you please. <clears throat> Shit. Anna, what's wrong? Nothing, Craig. I just... I don't want to talk about it. I said... I heard you. I'm just gonna sit here as all. If you didn't want to talk, that's fine. <laughs> what the hell am I doing out here? The same thing you're always doing. Looking for answers to questions most people don't think to ask, like is not find them. I don't know if I want answers this time. Not to these questions. What, are you afraid your dreams are portents? Well, I can't think of any prophet who was no, happy to... No, Craig. That's... That's not what I'm scared of. If I'm wrong, if my dreams don't mean anything, and they've sent us all up here for nothing, then I'm just... delusional. People have called me that all my life. I can live with it. But if it's true, if I really can predict the future... <sighs> Are you so afraid of your nightmares that you let them stop you from living? <laughs> that doesn't sound like the Anna Sheridan I can. It's... It's not those dreams I'm worried about, Craig. Then, what is it? Whatever Anna said to Mr. Donnell after that point is lost, as we found no records of that conversation in either Anna's notes or the recordings kept by Mr. Donnell. At this point, Dr. Caldwell was aware that the team was growing dangerously unstable and they would need to conclude their mission one way or another before interpersonal tensions boiled over. As such, she ordered an expanded search pattern the next day, pushing further up the northern slope and spreading the party members out along a wider stretch. They were instructed to remain within visual range of one another at all times, but that proved impossible when an unexpected snowstorm arrived and reduced visibility to less than 10 feet. This tape is vital to a complete understanding of the events on Bobby Agora, but I know you've all just endured a very traumatic experience. If any of you would like to leave the room for the next few minutes, I would advise you to do so. What do you think? Bill, you've probably had the hardest time of all of us. Are you <laughs> sure you want to... I ain't afraid of no ghost, Sam. I can handle it. It's not about being scared, Bill. Whatever's on that tape might look, be... Look, look. I'm fine. Just... just play the tape already. Would anyone else prefer not to listen? All right. This tape comes from later in the day, after weather conditions had worsened dramatically, and Dr. Caldwell ordered an early return to base camp. While there are a number of written field notes from both Dr. Caldwell and Mr. Robinson, this is the final relevant audio recording from the expedition. Anna Sheridan Project Update. 
recorded in the field February 1st, 2018 at 1400 CED. Or at least that was the time when my watch stopped working. I must have hit it on a rock at some point. I got separated from the rest of the team earlier. I was trying to reconnect with them when I felt the ground shake. I don't know if it was an earthquake or a lightning strike, but I looked up and saw a wall of snow barreling down on me. I just managed to duck inside a nearby cave entrance, but the avalanche completely buried it before I could get out. I tried chipping at the snow with my ice axe, but there was just too much for me to dig out on my own. Thankfully, I still had a headlamp, so I've been looking for another way out ever since. The cave is fairly extensive, and I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be here. The entrance wasn't on any of the maps I saw, at least. And I'm pretty sure I've... That's the third time I've heard that voice down here. I mostly started recording to see if it's picked up by the tape or not. If so, then I can finally have proof of what's going on down here and shut David up a bit. If I ever make it out of here, that is. And if he didn't get caught in the avalanche, too. Dr. Codwell did say there was a risk going up the mountain in this weather. I just hope they're all okay. But right now I need to focus on getting out. The air smells fresh and doesn't seem to be thinning out, so there must be another exit somewhere. I've been marking my path with the grease pencil, so I should be able to find my way back if I get turned around. Speaking of which... I can't let myself get too distracted recording this. So far, there's only been one or two turn-offs, but I've been trying to find one that leads back up towards the surface of the mountain and failing, they all seem to curve back in on themselves, and the further I go, the more they seem to slope down. I would be more worried about getting further underground if this all didn't feel so oddly familiar. I think I might have seen this place before. Thinking back on it, it might have been a... leading off the chamber. The 
ceiling is about eight or nine feet high with a number of large stalactites. But, well, the reason I can see all that is because there are large patches of glowing mushrooms growing around the pool and along the cavern wall. There must be some geothermal activity in this cave, too, since there's no sunlight to... <gasps> she saw the fruit. Good to eat. Greg? Greg? What are you doing down here? Is there another way down? Lest they die. Did you find some other way into the cave in the avalanche? <gasps> Joining, yet still. Adam no. and Eve in their mouth no, no, know no. the mind of Please, God. Greg. The father of God. Please find this. The prophet. Please don't be. And the word is spoken to you. But Greg, listen. Remember well it's me. these words. It's Anna. That the prophet you can you come home back. more. The you promise. You don't have to give in to this thing. Stand you can beat it. I know you can. Resist You're stronger than this. We can figure be it out. All the same. And remember the name of time and creation's kiss. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The source of all that was and was not and will be again is within me and without me and beyond me and below me and before me. Are you... Are you all right? While Anna didn't stop recording at any point during this confrontation, her recorder ran out of tape at that moment. She did not make another recording until she returned to the United States several months later. While the death of a Scottish national during an American expedition on the border of two European nations had the potential to become an international incident, the autopsy conducted by the ECDC determined the cause of death to be infection by the unknown fungus within the cave as it caused significant nerve damage and possibly brain death several hours before the flare gun fired by Mr. Robinson burnt out a large portion of Mr. O'Donnell's cranium. The team was allowed to return to the States once they had undergone an extensive quarantine and decontamination process, and all relevant authorities chose to keep the incident quiet. Despite some initial reservations... Both Dr. Caldwell and I agreed that the discovery of the previously unknown cave system and the samples of Phoribus oraculi collected within confirmed Anna's abilities beyond a reasonable doubt. As such, ISFA began a series of research initiatives into the apocalyptic events she foresaw, one of which involved surveillance of a group of individuals referred to by Anna as the searchers. Hence, your presence in this room. And that brings us up to date, I believe. Any questions? Robinson. What was that, Bill? David Robinson, your researcher. David Nathan Robinson, right? Ah, uh, yes. Though uh, you might know him better as Heresium. Soon after returning to the U.S., he disappeared into the Templi Prophetum compound and quickly took over as the primary religious figurehead of the cult. The timeline is still a little unclear, but we believe he collected an undocumented sample of Phoribus oraculi before leaving the cave and smuggled it back to the U.S. once he'd cleared quarantine. 
We're unsure what his exact motivations were, but some variant of that fungus soon became the focal point of worship within the cult, leading to its eventual collapse and Mr. Robinson's death and transformation. Why didn't you stop him? We considered it, but once he'd integrated himself into the power structure of the cult, we couldn't remove him without alerting local authorities. We couldn't tip our hand to Morrison like that. Not yet. Confronting Robinson was out of the question. You didn't seem to have any problem confronting Ned. And we still might pay for that. We're a research institute. A well-funded private institute with a great deal of operational autonomy. But we're not some kind of hit squad. We research. We investigate. We contain threats where possible and necessary, but intervention is always a last resort. That's still no excuse to let all those people get hurt. It... it wasn't my call. What did, uh, Anna tell Craig that night before he died? We're not entirely sure. Like I said, there are no records of that night, and she didn't tell me. Did you know him? Yeah. Not very well, but he was nice. Funny. Just really, really friendly. I uh, met him a few times on Anna's trips to Europe, but I didn't know what happened to him. What do you think she told him? You clearly have some idea. Unfortunately, I do. It's clear that she blamed herself for Craig's death, not just for the fact that he was up the mountain in the first place, but that she felt directly responsible for the events leading up to his death. She wasn't, though, right? I mean, she couldn't know what was going to happen in that cave. She might not have remembered her dreams clearly, but there was some element of them that disturbed her, particularly when it came to Craig's involvement. I believe she dreamed about Craig's death, and that she told him. So, she thought that... She theorized that her prophecies were not predictions of fixed events. They could be unreliable at times, at least in terms of small details. But after what happened in Poland, she began to suspect her prophecies might be self-fulfilling. That conscious knowledge of the future only makes that future inevitable. And whatever actions people take to prevent it only bring it about faster. But if, if that's the case, then why are you trying to prevent this apocalypse that she saw? I mean, is that even possible? I said she believed it. I don't. While it's true that observation can change the state of particles in a quantum system, cause and effect are far too complicated for that to hold in the macroscopic world. I have to believe she was wrong. I have to believe we can change that future. And you want our help? Yes. Dr. Caldwell has requested that I offer everyone in this room a full contract of employment as an independent research consultant for ISFA, effective immediately upon your decision. You'll all be required to sign a blanket NDA, of course. But trust me, it's a good deal. You'll be provided with room and board both here at Merriweather and in the field along with a regular salary equal to or greater than your current income and a stipend to cover any incidental expenses. More importantly, we'll keep you off Morrison's radar and protected from any reprisals he might attempt. 
The same offer will of course be extended to Robert and Jerry as soon as they arrive, though they will not be expected to participate in your investigations unless they choose to. I'm sorry to spring this all on you so suddenly, but we need your decision fairly quickly. There's a team leaving this facility in less than 24 hours to investigate a potential haunting in Allegheny National Forest, and we'd like you to join them. Your flights to and from Pittsburgh will be covered as well. Private charter, well off Morrison's radar. You'll be there and back in less than a week. What about my family? And what about them? They're supposed to meet me in Oslo. I suggest you tell them to stay home. <laughs> and, and they'll be safe there? As safe as they can be, I assume. Why? <clears throat> I'm going to kill you all the next time I see you. That's what Morrison said to me. If I wouldn't be safe in my own home, then why would my family? I see your point. If we offered Peter the same arrangement, do you think he'd accept it? <sighs> he would if I asked him to. And if Andrew can stay here as well. Are, are you sure you want to bring a kid into all this? I mean, this place is kind It might of... be the only place where we're safe for Morrison. <clears throat> I want my family here, where I know they're protected. What about the rest of you? Bill? Sam? Maria? I know your financial situation is a little unstable at the moment. <laughs> Tell me about it. And I'm sure this isn't how you saw this year going, but we need your help. If we're going to find the trigger for Anna's apocalypse and prevent it, then we need outside perspectives on the supernatural. People who know the world Anna operated in. And if Anna is still out there somewhere, then I suspect the best way to look for her is to follow in her footsteps. See what breadcrumbs she left for us to find. Can we have some time to think about this? Is there something missing from our offer? Uh, no, no, it's all... It's very generous, but this is all just... really sudden. Sure. Take as much time as you need. I mean, it's not the end of the world or anything. The Sheridan Tapes, Episode 51. Vox Eternum, starring Ezra J. Wayne as Ned Theroux, Mike Kennedy as Edgar Morrison, Sam Taylor as Ren Park, Aaron Neely Jaconis as Anna Sheridan, Chris Allison as Daniela Caldwell, Kareen Promptly as David Robinson, Paul Warren as Craig Donnell, Virginia Spots as Kate Sheridan, Amitola Lomas as Maria Sol, Trevor Van Winkle as Sam Bailey, and Jesse Steele as Bill Tyler, with original music by Jesse Hogan. Written by Trevor Van Winkle and produced by Virginia Spots, with dialogue editing and sound design by Trevor Van Winkle. Visit thesheridantapes.com to view additional content content, rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and connect with us on Twitter at Sheridan Tapes and on Instagram at The Sheridan Tapes. I'm Trevor Van Winkle, this is Homestead on the Corner, and you're listening to The Sheridan Tapes.
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.